Welcome to the Spiritual Nomad Podcast, a space for the spiritually curious to explore faith in new and meaningful ways. Open your heart and mind and journey with your host, Luke Bricker, into greater spiritual freedom. Well, everyone, welcome to the Spiritual Nomad Podcast. I have Justin Foster back on the Spiritual Nomad Podcast today. Uh, we did a show about a year ago and had a really good time talking about just the journey of faith and entering into a more mystic or non-dual consciousness. And mm-hmm. um, it's kind of long overdue, I almost feel like, because I felt like there was a lot left in that conversation that we didn't even get to touch on. And so mm-hmm. uh, recently with this reboot of the Spiritual Nomad podcast, uh, I've invited Justin to come back on, and have a conversation. So Justin, thank you for joining me here on the podcast today, man. Thank you, Luke. I love what you do. Um, it's very important in the world. So thank you for leading these type of conversations. Yeah, man. And you know, what I love about, thank you. Um, and I, likewise is I think what I want to say is because the way that I first came in contact with you and anybody that listened to the first episode, I'm going to regurgitate a little bit, but you were just, you maybe you've just started the foster thinking Instagram mm-hmm. and you're just doodling these thoughts and posting them mm-hmm. and these musings. And it was the account that my wife and I were doing for a little bit of time, which for anybody uh, that maybe have joined the spiritual nomad through that route, it was common conversations. My wife and I were doing like a little uh, marriage uh, podcast and that's how we got in touch with you initially it was through that. And I was just inspired by how it just seemed like these were like handwritten tweets that had almost like a proverb like punch to them. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And it was just every single post that I was seeing, I was just like, yes, 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 this, yes, this is, this is the way, whatever way this is, whatever, Mm. you know, mindset that Justin's having, I'm experiencing it in a lot of ways. And so um, yeah, man, it's been so cool just to see you and so many other, like this Insta community that's kind of mm-hmm. came up to be like a, uh, it almost seems like a lot of us are on the same trajectory in the mm-hmm. same path. Um, right. and so for, for those of us, just a, a little, a quick, maybe update for somebody that might be new to you, to your story and your work, um, as you entered in more of the path of non-dual, uh, thinking, um, living, being into more mysticism, um, how did you first get introduced to some of this? What was your story before that? Kind of walk us through a little bit of your initial spiritual awakening mm-hmm. and what that has kind of evolved to become. Okay. So a big, big question. Feel free yeah, to okay. take sure. all the time, but you know, <laughs> yeah. uh, one and to introduce people to you in that way, in that right. side of you. So I um, was raised in a fundamentalist church. Um, it has no name, but if you look for it on Wikipedia, the Wikipedia entry is under two by twos is what the Wikipedia entry is, but there's no official name of this church. And it was, a, it was fundamental. It is a fundamentalist church that is home-based. It's quite simple. It's sort of the antithesis of uh, evangelical megachurch, you know, um, bands and, you know, that sort of production. This is very stripped down and simple home-based church. And, I was raised in it. I was a resistant member for as, as because my mom and dad went uh, and then um, got married. My partner at the time, she had a, she was part of the church and then, then we had kids and I wanted, basically I, I, 
I, I, I needed a system, Luke, um, to um, guide me because I had no real structure of how to be a parent or an adult or a, a believer from yeah. my childhood. Not really. I mean, because of, um, you know, primarily trauma-based experiences um, in the home. And um, so I refer to this phase, this like 25-year phase or period of time being part of this as my, it was an incubator period. Um, and it, it helped me understand, like really understand the Bible because this particular church has no other source, no other, there's no other, like, there's no, they don't, in fact, you're, it's, you would be very discouraged, very discouraged by the leaders of the church to read anything other than the Bible. Really? And yeah. And so any sort of literature, you know, like reading something like Rob Bell or, or even going like over to the more of the traditional evangelical stuff, you know, um, Swindell and those guys, like, yeah, I didn't know who any of those people were because we weren't, uh, it's not that we weren't allowed. It was just like, it was a similar code for not having a television. Nobody, very few people had a <laughs> yeah. television. And for the similar reason, it was like an, it was like a, a spoken rule um, yeah. or, or something. Nothing to taint and the again, holiness of, of what right. was happening there. Yeah, in the, right. in the period, and, you know, and I assume um, now where I'm at after lots of deconstruction and therapy and spiritual growth that it's mostly well-intended. There was a lot of um, negative things about that experience, but I think some of those rules were well-intended to sort of protect you from the world, air yeah. quotes. Um, <laughs> and so um, in 2014, I had a spiritual awakening. And I really think that spiritual awakening probably started in 2010. It just took me four years for it to crack open. Yeah. And um, uh, so, uh, ap at that point, I just realized that I don't believe this. I don't believe this is the only, the, I don't believe in the exclusivity of the church. I don't believe in their stance on LGBTQT matters. I do not believe in their stance on social justice. I do not believe in the um, infallibility of the ministry or the ineffability of the Bible. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't believe any of those things. And so I, I ended up in part of that moving to Austin and, um, and, and I tried going again when, with the, with the community that's here of that church. And it was even more conservative and stringent yeah. and dry. And I walked away January of 2016 and I've never been back to a church service other than like for like, uh, like I think I went to a, a church location to vote, I think, yeah. <laughs> and to, uh, and to go to a, like a Christmas musical thing that I went to. Um, and I don't have any particular calling to return to a church. I honor, I mean, I refer to myself as a spiritual libertarian. Like if somebody, yeah. somebody goes to church, I like the way Eugene Peterson talked about it. He's like, when they asked him, what church should I go to? He goes, go to the nearest, smallest one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> great advice. If you feel a need to be part of a community, what's happened for me instead, Luke is meeting people like you and many, many others um, that are believers, but they're much more Gnostic or mystical or um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Mystical in their approach to the matters, to matters of Jesus and God and the spirit and things like that. Yeah. Um, and so that's my background um, as far, as far as this goes. Um, and yeah, that's, that's how I got here. And, and then it wasn't, I wasn't until, and I, and there's not a lot of details I can get into because there's a lot of moving parts with this part of my life right now. But I realized in September, I'm having a second awakening. 
Yeah. And I think the first awakening freed me from the constructs of the, the, the conditions, the church living in Idaho, um, various things I did not really, that didn't feed my soul and moved to Austin, had this, you know, this, this reset of life, but then kind of a two year period, 2018, 2019 of stagnation. And then 2020 hits. And I, and I, and again, it was probably an awakening that started earlier, but what I realized that this is freeing me from, uh, freeing me from the construct of myself. Mm. So if the first awakening freed me from conditions, this one is freeing me from the constructed me that um, is the one that has a propensity for codependency, um, easily distracted, low motivation, a bit performative, like the person that my my being created to sort of make it in the world. Mm. And I wrote about this in one of my essays. If people go to fosterthinking.com, they can see that I write a weekly essay. Um, And one was uh, a few months ago was a, it was called the premonition and it was sharing. I'd never shared it publicly before that I had had a premonition about 10 years ago that I would die before I was 50. Mm. And I did my constructed self is, is dead. Yeah. And it took about the last two and a half months of uh, spiritual hospice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I do feel like that part of me that I created in order to make it in the world and to get to find connection and meaning and, acceptance and safety he's gone and all that's left is me right now and i'm sure i'm sure there'll be other iterations you know the ego always grows back while you're still alive yeah you know and there'll probably be another iteration of this in a few years but this is where i'm at today in uh, as a person that is a deep deeply deeply um i'm a deep believer in Mm -hmm. in the um in the concept of, of more of a spiritual, uh, more like uh, John and Mary Magdalene and maybe Thomas. Yeah. Um, as opposed to Paul's uh, take on it all. Yeah. So. So is that something in this awakening? Is there like elements of that. I'm curious. So like I've had different iterations of these sort of awakenings and like, like what you've said, and and I'm not sure if we talked about it before we hit record or not, but it's like, you have this sort of initial sort of Mm -hmm. awakening and you think that was, that was it. And then wait a second, another one. And it's like, I, and it's this notion of being born again, 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 again. And sometimes it's, it's shorter periods of time. Sometimes it's longer period of time periods of time, but it's this consistent, uh, like death and rebirth, the cycle that we, the, we flow in with ourself that matches not only nature, but the cosmos, right? It's this mm-hmm. constant death and rebirth. Um, but just like seasons, there's always like elements that mark those seasons. Is it something that you sensed that was approaching and coming on? Did it hit you more abruptly or like in the Midwest where I grew up, in Indiana, you know, when you start getting that first sort of cool breeze in the fall, you're like, ah, oh, the leaves are about to start changing. Yeah. You know? Did you yeah. have some of that around this second awakening? Only in hindsight. Okay. I left, um, I left um, September 1st um, to drive to Portland for the birth of our grandson. And by the time I returned a month later, my life was extremely different. Yeah. Uh, very, very different. And um and 
so the the conditions changed, the circumstances changed, and then from that, I, I did not, you know, it's not like I realized in the midst of it of like all of these like personal changes that happened that sort of to my external environment, relationships and living situations and things like that. I didn't realize it was a spiritual awakening probably until like mid October, mm. and I was like, oh, that makes sense, um, and. It is, it is something like that it does appear. And I think, I don't know how many awakenings there are. There may could be many, many awakenings. I think it's dependent on everybody's experience. Totally. But, but there is, there is a, there is a, um, there was a sense of like, okay, I, I'm done in 2014. Like, okay, I get it. I've had this realization. I made these changes, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and I don't, I don't, I don't believe that anymore. Um, partially because, that first awakening was a little bit like, I think like uh, when Jesus put the mud on the blind guy's eyes, like it said the first time that he looked that he saw men, trees as men walk or men as trees walking. Yeah. Like that's the term that was used the King James version anyway. Yeah. And, um, and, and so I think that was it. I think I did see, but I think that the biggest thing that has changed for me in the second awakening is, is kind of three things, Luke. One is to have a pure heart. Um, I have, as a survival mechanism, um, have allowed, I've allowed and encouraged deceit and truth to mix. Mm. Um, it's a little bit like chicken McNuggets where, you know, what are they like 40% chicken enough? Yeah. They're just enough chicken that the food and drug administration can, or the FTC, the federal trade commission can say that you can sell them as chicken. Right. And there was an element of that with me, with my spirituality and my morality and my behaviors of. It was, I could call them chicken McNuggets, but it wasn't organic chicken, you know? Right, and, right. And so that's that pure heart is just organically removing guile and all these. And I realize now what they were is they were, they were coping mechanisms. They were connecting connection mechanisms to try to survive after, you know, it's, 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 um, it's quite devastating to spend your childhood not feeling loved mm. and by the people that are supposed to love you. Now that's changed my relationship with one of my parents is beautiful and I'm very happy about it. Um, but it still leaves you with sort of stunted as far as your ability to accept optimism and always tell the truth and everything. Cause you're a survivor. It's a, you become a scavenger to try yeah. to make it in the world. So that's number one, living with a pure heart. Number two is living from my center. So I've really, really practiced understanding. And this is why I was so excited to be asked to, you know, to be on your show is because, I talk a lot about the core self and finding your center. Well, as a believer, I think that's the Christ within. Yeah. I think that's the Christ consciousness that we're accessing and we all have it, yes. which is why someone like Hafiz, who was a Sufist, would say something like, I am the hole in the flute that the breath of Christ passes through. Hear my music. Yes. So he referenced Christ. And that wasn't a biblical, like it wasn't about Jesus. It was about this energy inside of him that I believe is sacral and sacred to every single human being and what separates us from the animals to some extent, to a large extent. Yes. Yes. And so living from the center and I'm learning actually taking a course on insight timer to learn centering prayer, um, learning about these ideas of, I want to be in union with my core self, knowing that that will then put me in union with God and spirit. Yeah. And then if I can do that, then my life, my life has been almost like a series, like a puzzle with pieces missing. And I assumed that other people were those puzzle pieces. And I treated other people often as that, mm. like you're here to complete this puzzle for me. Yeah. And 
And I, what I realize now is more like the, the, the diagram of the, um, of the, of the overlapping circles, what we call a Venn diagram. Yeah. Um, where, where it's actually, there's another term for it, something Pisces and it's escapes me now what that's called. Yeah. Where I want to be in union with other people, whether it's a friendship or any other kind of relationship, I want to be, I want overlapping circles. I don't want a, a pie piece or a puzzle piece. I want wholeness of being. And that's mm. where living from your center comes because that's the part of you that's unbreakable, unrejectable, whole, beautiful. It's the part that God sees. Yeah. Um, and so that's it. And then the third thing that I'm really focusing on now in my spiritual path is um, living a true story, hmm. living a true story. So the, I think that's a kind of a combination. If you live from your center and you have a pure heart, you're going to live a true story, but it still remains an intention. Yeah. And what the interesting thing about this is I've always, I've struggled to have boundaries. I would, I could be, I, 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 I used a lot of emotional nudity with people over the years, which is, I just would be like, Hey, this is what happened to me. Yeah. You know, I was, I'm guilty. I had a violent childhood. Please, please like me. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I, and I always had basically one boundary in that experience, which was in or out, ride or die. Mm. And I would use my story of my weird ass story of ranch and church and, and everything. And then when my, former partner came out as gay five years ago. Like I, I kind of reintroduced victimization, like poor Justin, his mm -hmm. wife's gay, you know, like that type of attitude. And, and what happened for me in, in all of that is a realization that I wasn't living a true story. Mm -hmm. And, and, and so in order to live a true story, I have to have some boundaries. Um, I can't, I can't, I can't practice emotional nudity with people that aren't ready for that. Yeah. Right, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right. And that's a new thing for me to be able to establish a boundary around that because I was, I've been seeking much of my life for acceptance or uh, connection in the process. Yeah. yeah. Can you talk a little bit about um, you write a lot about ego and the death of ego and how that has played a part of this sort of awakening. And because through those three points that you just mentioned, kind of the, the enemy, if you will, of those is the ego that doesn't want the progression of those things. Like, you know, even the true story, you think of the true self or the, I, mm -hmm. you know, I've referenced it as like, it's the true narrative that mm -hmm. is written within you, you know, yes, that's and there's a false mm -hmm. narrative that's written in. Yes. It's the, it's the spirit in the flesh. If you want to use some Pauline yeah. language, which I'm always yeah. leery to do, but <laughs> uh, can you talk a little bit about what that has been and your writings around the ego and how that has been sorted through with that? Yeah. And that's been evolutionary as well Is I don't believe in anymore in the death of the ego. I believe in ego death, mm. which is different. So, so the ego produces constructs. It's a illusion maker. Yeah. And every time we have a, a, a dramatic, a, a traumatic experience, there's this deconstruction that happens. And then as soon as the next day after some sort of big spiritual moment, the ego begins to rebuild the illusion. Mm -hmm. And where I'm at now is I don't want to be a spiritual Puritan. I don't want to be the type of person that you see this, especially in more of the secular new age movement of like, basically like a secular, you know, this is maybe going to offend some people, but like secular Southern Baptists, like super judgy around yeah. Like, well, you're not a vegan and you're not a progressive, Yes, and, you know, yes. like, and all of that. And, 
And um, it's, it's no coincidence to me that that crowd is also part of the conspirituality movement. So they've kind of lumped themselves together with the wackadoodles at QAnon. Yeah. Because <laughs> that type of spirituality is a mental illness, in my opinion, mm. to, put, to put it bluntly. Um, I think it's the ego hijacking the soul and calling it um, spirituality when it's not spirituality. It's just, it's just repackaged ego. Anyway, right, right. Editorial insight on that. Um, it's another think, fundamentalism. It's a di- exactly. I call, I actually, I call it neo-fundamentalism. Yeah. It's a different kind of fundamentalism and it's based on the same things. That's its own, probably its own conver- separate conversation. Mm-hmm. But where that comes from is Jesus never shamed the ego of somebody else. He, mm. now, he, he didn't shame the ego. He did not condemn the ego. He pointed it out. Mm-hmm. He pointed it out. Uh, and he, he could be rather blunt about how he pointed it out. But it wasn't like there was no kill your ego. Right. Um, the, 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 the other part of this is related to without that ego death, there's no opportunity for resurrection. Mm-hmm. And, and so I think that can happen multiple times. I think the ego will build a thing, build a construct, then the cleansing light of truth will shine on it. And you'll be like, Oh, I created this construct because I was worried. I was, because it's always fear-based. Right. And this yeah. goes to extending yourself grace. The only reason for the ego, which is to, that exists in our being is to keep us alive. That's it. It's yeah. not, it's not evil. Right. It's not wicked. I do not believe in at all. Like I am so anti the concept of original sin because right. I think it's a violation of everything Jesus taught. Yes. Um, come on, my man. So yeah. Good. And so it's, it's operating from this idea. Like, like, I think it's easy for people that have had some level of spiritual awareness to go, well, it's just my ego. That's my ego making me do that. And it's easy to make it an enemy, but it's not the enemy. I, mean, I love Ryan Holiday, but I don't believe the ego is the enemy. Mm-hmm. I think then you just enemy, create yourself to be a victim again. <laughs> right. I think the enemy is low consciousness. Yeah. Um, and lack of awareness. And just because you're spiritually awake, I mean, we are dual creatures. We're part spirit, part animal. Yeah. Just because you're spiritually awakening doesn't mean that you don't have areas that don't need to have the light of awareness shine, shine up on them. Mm-hmm. And, and so I think ultimately here it's to allow those ego de- those, those constructs to d- die, let those ego deaths go, let them happen. And, um, and then just be in a place if you're centered in yourself, centered in your being and your core self, the ego doesn't have much influence because here's a powerful thing about it. When you open your heart, it, it does not close the mind. Mm. When you when you let your ego run things, it does close the heart. Mm. So the reverse isn't true. So the goal then is to um, make the ego an employee, not a boss. Yeah. A servant, not a taskmaster. Um, and that's a daily thing, but it's much easier to do that from your center with an open heart than it is to try to go out and um, purge yourself of ego influence, which I think is folly yeah. and, dang- and actually probably dangerous. Totally. Totally. I, I think of it in terms of like, I always sometimes share with people about always sometimes, right. Uh, about the idea of using the ego or allowing the ego to use you. Who's the tool, you know, that's right. Who's, who's really the tool here um, in between those two. And I think that there is that sort of, you know, we want to enter into non-dual, but there is a level of 
dualism that we will always yes. be prone to because right. we we are human beings. We we yeah. the way that we are functioning in mm-hmm. this world based on evolution and whatever else you might mm-hmm. factors. You, there are going to be times that you have to look at life in the in the dueling yeah. lenses. Um, and the beauty comes whenever we can transcend that, but that mm-hmm. doesn't always happen on a daily basis. You know, right? You have to make decisions, and we're constantly. And I think that sometimes, like the the turn of the century movement, that was very focused on like cause and effect, like uh, folks like James Allen, who wrote As a Man Thinketh, mm-hmm. or yeah, yeah. Um, you know, people like that, or um, oh, the guy who wrote In Tune at the Infinite. Yeah, you got William Waldo Blake. Trine. I have it sitting right here. Yeah, uh, Evelyn Evelyn Underhill, William Blake. William yeah, James. yeah uh-huh, there's uh-huh. decision like that. You know, they talk about the mind of the garden, and e- yeah. you're either gonna have weeds grow or you can till it. And, and there is this sort of like dual cause and effect that mm-hmm. is a reality in our life. It might not be everything. I think we've kind mm-hmm. of understood that more as as we've grown in in sort of uh, spirituality and mysticism becoming more mainstream in a way, mm-hmm. if you will. But there is still that element that we have a decision to make and we have some sort of authoritative um, license to give way to ego or not ego, but it will never fully be dead or killed because it's our avatar. And I think that's something that a lot of people talk about is the death of their ego, but it's really just like, I love the way that you're saying, and just really say all this to affirm it uh, is understanding the proper place. And usually anything that is out of order creates out of balance. Mm-hmm. And what we've seen is just this like catawampus mm-hmm. of the ego being exalted so much that it's right. like a, a weird shaped tire, you know, like a yeah, flat right. spot on the tire. And you're like, right. ah, this yeah. isn't right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, go ahead. Yeah. 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 I just was, that's just thinking about this too. Like the, the ego is what we compare with. It's a, it, and, and that's a useful tool. Um, mm-hmm. The ego is what creates drive. That's a useful yeah. tool. Um, it's a, the ego that's, that wants to connect with people and create sort of the tribal bonds. That's a good thing. That's the, the ego creates community to some extent. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's only when it's undisciplined or um, when it is, you know, when, when we know we've experienced um, or in, in many different versions of what happens when someone is fully consumed by their ego yeah. Um, it, produ- it produces a kind of madness or cognitive dissonance when that happens. Um, and I think that when you, when you disassociate yourself from your thoughts and you realize that, 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 it's, that, that oh, I would put it this way, almost all, maybe all, maybe I'll be bold and say all of the ego responses that we have are biological. Mm. It's just our animal imprint and we're just more advanced than other animals in the way that we imprint with social conditioning. Yeah. But it's only the, the, so what the ego does is the ego produces the illusion of separateness that, Oh, this is, this is Justin and this is Justin's soul. Like I'll admit that there's a soul, but it's separate. Yeah. And the ego really ultimately is needs to attach to something because it's not real. So mm-hmm. it'll lock onto your mind and it'll create illusions and idolatry and a bunch of other things. It'll lock into your heart and it will create deceit. It will lock into your body and create mysterious pain and illness. Um, but that's just because it's trying to attach to something so that it can exist in the world. Yeah. When we understand what it is, that it's a biological response that produces a psychological response, then it's like, oh, well, which then goes back to Jesus' 
behavior and teaching. Yeah. He, he fed the 5,000 plus, yes, out of compassion, but also out of pure practicality because it's hard for people to hear any sort of spiritual message when you're hungry. Right. You know, right. and there's a, there's a, I always love the balance that Jesus modeled between the 3D world and the spiritual world. Mm-hmm. And I think it's the role of every mystic. And I think everyone connected to their soul as a mystic. Um, and I think everyone disconnected from their heart is a narcissist. Mm. Um, if you're connected to your soul, you're a mystic in some form. Maybe it's art, maybe it's healing, maybe it's friendship, maybe it's support, who knows. But the role of the mystic is to show how to do what Jesus did, which is to operate in the world from your center by pr- and balancing the 3D needs with the with our material needs with the with the spiritual world. Yeah. Understanding that there is a capital R reality that is the spiritual world and everything outside of the spiritual world is primarily an illusion Yeah. in our minds or it's just part of nature. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Seeing the physical as a response or a manifestation of the spiritual. Right. And so you talk a lot about Jesus a lot, uh, even in this conversation. I know it's probably because you're talking to, you know, me and my disposition as being a pastor and, and all of that, which if you're listening this far in, even me just saying that's probably a little shocking, you know, not too many pastors have talks like this, but uh, right. we're trying to change all that. More um, and more are, yeah. Yeah, more and more are, and it's so cool. Um, but can you talk, because a, a big theme that we've been doing and, and what I've been really focused on with the whole Spiritual Nomad podcast reboot is helping people navigate through a sort of deconstruction. And part, a lot of that has to do, especially in my life, was was a sort of, um, you know, ego death in a lot of ways. Everything that I had was wrapped up in my vocation, what I could pull off and do, who I was in the status of my church movement, all of that. Mm -hmm. And so it was not only a loss of all of those things, it resulted in a loss of self that Mm -hmm. spurred me into this whole other thing. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people are at this point, and I've been in the process of quote, reconstruction for lack Mm -hmm. of better terms right now for Mm -hmm. a while. Um, And I really feel like we are up we are a part of that helping people reconstruct faith that, that makes sense in some way for them to actually live out. Um, so I'm curious with you, a lot of people that go through this, they have a frustrating time talking about Jesus or revisiting the teachings of Jesus, or, you know, uh, even admitting any sort of Christ awareness or anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's that been that experience for you? How's your relationship with Jesus, once again, very Christianese sort of way of saying it, but what is your yeah. relationship with Christ, the, the Christian tradition, Jesus, those yeah. could each probably be their own individual things, but yeah. how has yeah, all yeah. of that evolved throughout your, your walk and journey? The Spiritual Nomad Podcast is a ministry of Current Collective Church, a nonprofit organization that is dedicated to holding space to experience the divine in healing and transformative ways that enable us to live into the fullness of a truly abundant life. If you enjoy this podcast, please consider a tax-deductible donation to support our ongoing effort to reimagine spiritual community. Visit thespiritualnomad.org slash give to contribute today. Thank you for your support and partnership.
Yeah. I mean, in order to in order to have faith in anything, um, anything, you there needs to be some sort of governing principle or governing or like a under underlying thesis. So, um, I believe that the purpose of the human, as it relates to a relationship with this, with with the spirit, with God and the spirit, and therefore then the then the Christ within, is much is is 100% about revelation and 0% about installation. Mm. And the reason that we need to deconstruct is almost all of what we think we believe about God and Jesus and the Bible and everything was installed. Yeah. It wasn't part of our original operating system. That's why Jesus said be as little children. Mm. Cuz little children don't have an installed belief system that is, that would turn that would turn a uh, that would that would the lust for power or turn a blind eye to poor behavior or um, create separation, create an other. You know, they yeah, don't do yeah. any of that stuff. So operating from that, this this assumption that we're born pure, and then we become, you know, a, a kind of a negative word here, but corrupt. Um, mm-hmm. We we begin to we begin to, and so returning to the root of the fact that I am a I am a, uh, a, a sovereign being with agency that, that through biology, God created, and then I have a soul. And so, and I believe that I don't need to, I don't need to know the nuances of things like whether or not there was a virgin birth, even if there was a resurrection. I know that sounds like heresy because it probably is. I don't need to know that. <laughs> I don't need to have that as like a solid thing. All I need to know for me to operate from as I moved from deconstruction into reconstruction over those last few years is I need to know that I, I, I believe that the center of our being is the Christ. Mm-hmm. Jesus said, um, may they be with, may they be with you as they've been with me. Yeah. Um, and so there's a, there's a, there's a triad or you know triumphant here of, what Richard Rohr refers to as the, the divine dance yes. that we get to be a part of, but it's all inward, which is why I always say, if anyone, anyone on any issue in life gives you an outside formula, especially related to your soul, they're a grifter. Mm. They're a grifter or a narcissist or both. Yeah. Because we have, without installation, we have, we have gen- spiritual genetic material in us that is the same as Jesus Christ and God him or her or itself, you know, yeah. like that's the same thing. That's what's, and, and I do this I, when I talk to people that are more secular, more atheistic or agnostic in their view, it's like, all I want you to know, I want to know why humans have free choice and agency, not a hundred percent. We have a lot of subconscious stuff, but we generally, we have free choice and agency and we're the only creatures that do. Mm-hmm. Why is that? How did that happen from an evolutionary standpoint? Yeah. And then I like to challenge, I much prefer to argue with fundamentalist evangelicals because I, yeah. I can, I can outquote the Bible, yeah. um, but around this idea of how do you know that? Like, how do you know that? Do you ever question what you believe? Because if you don't, you're missing out on the inquiry that's necessary for spiritual growth. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so faith, it, I mean, what is faith then if it isn't? going to pursue yeah. that sort of route of inquiry. Right. And it's also again back to installation versus revelation in church conditioning. You're, you're given a set of beliefs. This is the doctrine, the, the doctrinal statement 
this is the, the and 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 then you um, when you bump up against inconsistencies, you're you know those are sort of waved off, mm-hmm. um, and in that process, you you begin to um, think that there's something wrong with you at your core because no one can adhere to the illusion of some outside model. Mm. No one can. Right. And so you get that like, well, you know, the only perfect person was Jesus. And I think, well, first of all, that's not what perfect means in the Bible. I mean, right. Jesus may have been perfect in purity, of course, but. Complete this, is a better complete, translation. Yeah, complete is yes. a better translation. Exactly. So this, 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 uh, with deconstruction, you, you need to be comfortable with being wrong. You need to be, be humble about it. And then it goes back to faith where faith is not, and I wrote this as amusing several years ago, which is uh, Christianity modern, you know, in the last 15, 1600 years, Christianity took the box that light came in and killed the light and worshiped the box. Yeah. Um, like the church mm. is the thing that's worshiped and, or people that, talk about like my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And they're very like, sort of like, you know, superstar Jesus. Yeah. Well, he specifically said not to do that. I right. mean, it's black and white in the scripture, in, yes. in the known scripture that we have. So to this thing about faith, to me, faith is embracing the unknown that God and spirit are all in all of the unknown things, the yeah. things that don't make any sense, like the timing of the events that have happened in my life the last three months. None of it makes any damn sense. Yeah. You know, because it not it's not supposed to because f- faith in something that makes sense is intellect and intellect is installation. Yeah. It's, yes. So good. So good. So the the way that you have um broke a lot of that down and you're seeing Jesus in these different ways and and imitation like I like a lot of like the um I'm forgetting the the term exactly the theological term essentially it's like we mirror jesus like that's the the sort of thing it's not any sort of like you know jesus is the the god and savior that we worship which right jesus very like his prayer in john 17 is that 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 all not only his disciples he prays for himself he prays for his disciples and then he Mm -hmm. prays for anyone that would follow in the way throughout all the ages that they would be one as we are yes. one. And if you've yes. seen me, you've seen the father, but the father has sent me and it's this whole weird yes. sort of language, you know? Yeah. Um, but- I love Luke. I love how though, on a couple of things on that, which is um, uh, why was Jesus who only had three and a half years to get this word out and you know, with no ad campaign and no PR person, no publicist, <laughs> you know, why was he so obtuse? Mm. And I think it's because he was, making certain that it would not take intellect to have revelation. Mm. I think that's what it was. And, and it was also, you know, this is why I'm, I'm amused in a, in a kind way. I hope towards people that think the Bible's literal. It's like, well, that era of which it was crafted, you know, as far as like the, you know, the time period was all allegorical, all metaphorical, all right. nonlinear in its, in its approach. Right. Um, and so I think, I think these, um, I think, I think I go, I go back to this, like what I believe is the greatest leadership commandment of all time, which is follow me. Yeah. When Jesus said that, 
I don't think he meant copy him. Mm. I think what he meant was go inward, go mm. inward, go inward, go inward. If someone comes to you, I mean, Buddha said, if, when, if someone calls themselves the Buddha, then you should kill them, you yeah. know, which, is, which is a violent thing for a Buddhist to say. But right. this idea that there is no outside savior, that's a construct. Jesus never referred to himself as a savior. Right, right. At um, best, a prophet. At, at best, be a prophet. And, yeah. the son of, he, and, he, he, and he mostly referred to himself as the son of man. Right, right. Um, the last little bit on this too, that is, I love this idea too, is that Jesus said, um, they will do greater things than me. Yes. Well, if, if that's the case, that means the only way to do greater things than Jesus is to go inward and find what your special gift is. Yeah. And that goes back to purpose and mission and this divine charter that every single human being has if they do the inner work to get to it. Yeah. 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 So good. And that's a lot of the work that you do in the world with helping people understand the inner life and ask the questions and go to those places and navigate through all of that. And so mm -hmm. I'm super grateful um, for friends like you that are helping this move. Uh, I mean, it's, it's a movement that's happening in this direction. And I think that, you know, folks like us among many, many others that are helping to walk people, not only into deconstruction, but into, a sort of reconstructed reality. And I think this understanding, this awareness, uh, this inner work that happens is the, the beginning and the continuation that we'll always have to have of, of reconstructing faith in our life. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. And which is why I think too, that the, the shift in the really started in the mid sixties of the evangelical community away from doing the work in the streets mm -hmm. to doing the work at, in, political office was the was was really the beginning of the end of the of american christianity mm. and what i see in you in rob bell phil drysdale um david hawthorne um others um out there um sarah blessy i think is one um the uh, the lady that passed to rachel oh uh, rachel called evans yeah, yeah. yeah you know and others we could name we could name is i believe that god is doing a rebrand yeah and because when people have this aversion to, you know, you would say, you know, you bring up the word Jesus and they have this, especially if they have, if there's a survivor of religious or spiritual abuse. The reason that Christianity has a terrible reputation is because they earned it. <laughs> right. And, <laughs> yeah. and if we, it's similar to America. If we, if we can't admit that we've got problems, that we're not really being American because American, the American ideal is about freedom. And if you can't see that there's systemic racism, if you can't, if you don't think you have privilege, if you're white and male, it, it, that's all related to you have, it's what I refer to as uh, bedazzled Jesus. You have mm. bought into bedazzled Jesus and who is like your financial advisor and your, um, your, um, your trauma buddy, <laughs> and is and 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 you've created a disassociation from your core self in order to follow this version of Jesus. I like what Rob Bell says about it when he's like, when people say, "Well, God did this or this or this," it was negative. He goes, "Yeah, I don't believe in that God either." Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and so I think that there's this, there is a reformation, a renaissance that's happening. And you take these beautiful principles that Jesus taught that were, you know, 80% overlap with what Buddha taught and Muhammad right. taught and Abraham taught that there's this spiritual, 
you know, it's uh, Meister Eichert said, I think it was him that said, all mystics speak the same language. Yes. Um, and, and what we're seeing is this regeneration and understanding that that's why I said like, it's, it's, it's revelation, not impl- not uh, installation. Mm-hmm. And it, the way Jesus built it doesn't require any institutions. Right. It doesn't really require institutions. Yes. Building community. I agree yeah. with that, but not monstrosity, 10,000 seat, you know, churches and, you know, preachers that fly, you know, Gulf streams and things like that. <laughs> Dang <laughs> it. Yeah. And, <laughs> yeah. And, I, and so I think, I think that for myself, so I'm bringing it back to myself is I think that I, over the last, for my whole life, really, I, I sort of allowed myself to have this mixture of like belief in God and morality and stuff, but also have lots of deceit, lots of deceit in myself, self denial of realities and things. And I, I believe that where I'm at in life is a, it's, it's a refinery. And mm. what I hope is happening for me and what I, what I believe is happening with me is, as I move across this valley, because I'm not to the other side yet, that what, it's, what, I, what, I, what is going to be in it is basically a different kind of intimacy with myself and, the, and humanity, mm. a different, a more wholeness, a more of this um, wholeness of being that I talked about. Yeah. And, and imagine this, Luke, if more people did that, if more people were willing to reconstruct deconstruct or more people were willing to go through the very painful process of letting what they thought was true die, um, that ele- elevation of consciousness, everything always gets better when consciousness elevates. Yeah. That is what bends. That's what bends the evolutionary curve towards good mm-hmm. is elevated consciousness. It's only in resisting the consciousness resisting stuff that you you stay mired in the middle of maslow's hierarchy mm-hmm. um so that's where i'm at and here's the thing i you know theologically i i don't i don't have any answers theologically because mm-hmm. i don't think the answers come theologically first of all second of all i might be wrong yeah i might be wrong i might be wrong about this i might be wrong completely wrong maybe there is some exclusive church that jesus created that we're all supposed to be a part of and everybody else is going to hell. I don't yeah. think that's true. Right. But I think, I think if you have a pure heart and you, you want to live a true story and you live from your core self, you know what truth is. You recognize mm-hmm. truth and because, and the mostly you recognize truth because untruth becomes un- distasteful. Yes. You can't do it anymore. Right. Right. And that's where a lot of people enter into the deconstruction movement because there is some sort of dissonance and they can't put up with, that anymore you know right and two like i could be completely wrong and having that heart posture um in and of itself is a form of non-attachment and so it that is crucial in in having that because once again um what people do is what i've what i did myself leaving more conservative calvinistic you Mm -hmm. know reformed theology is within you know, 18 months or less, I was bought in progressive church movement, completely, you know, pendulum swing, you know, mm-hmm. and very much, I might as well have still been a Calvinist in the heart, you know, in mm-hmm. some ways. Right, right, right. Um, and so I think it's easy for that pendulum to swing it. And the, the point is with that is that I, my rightness was still completely in the fabric of who I was just on the other side. And what I love about that is I could be wrong is not, is not attachment. I'm not clinging. I'm in uh, my, my uh, spiritual journey is to understand 
to be in tune with the infinite and to live out of that place of true core essence and yes. whatever flows from that. So be it, you know? Yes. Right. Um, and, yeah. and, and, and to have a sort of practical mysticism to quote Evelyn Underhill's phenomenal book back written in, in 1914 um, to have a practical spirituality to this, which is we are supposed to operate in this world. We are supposed to, Try to find the where the where our gifts and our abilities to sustain ourselves cross. We're supposed mm -hmm. to do those things. We're supposed to go out and um, try to heal sick people and and hurt people and um, this this um, this American evangelical Christianity that's sort of really Christian nationalism and really in a lot of ways white nationalism, mm -hmm. um, which is around power and exclusivity. Um, I think that we're seeing the beginning of the end of all of that. And I, and I do see a reemergence around this much more like personal spiritual ethos that allows people like you and I, you know, who have a very, you know, we have an age difference. We've never met in person. You, you, you're part of a church community. I'm not, but we can have this fellowship on a visit like this. And I have no other term for that other than God. Yeah. Because that's the only thing that, I can understand that that's the stitching of the universe with that, where, where, where the, the divine world and the material world meet. Mm, yes. And we sit, and this is why I say everyone really is go about the business of finding your inner mystic. Yeah. If you do that, you'll know what, you'll know what truth is. You'll know what to do. You'll know who you are. You'll know what you want. You'll be able to do a bunch of things. If you just go to the inner mystic, which is essentially, you know, taking some of what Jesus said and just giving a different terminology, which is that the kingdom of heaven is within. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and that's the work to me. It's, mm -hmm. it's not about, and I know that a lot of people have been hurt by religion, by Christianity. And so there's a sort of a backlash, like, um, like, a like, a am like, you know, the church hurt me, so I'm going to hurt back. Yeah. And resentment, and I ran on resentment for 25 years and it, it, it's, it, it's corrosive, mm. number one. And number two is if you, don't move on, if you don't move past the deconstruction, you'll never get to the reconstruction. Yeah, the healing. And, of, and the healing, yeah. that's what, yes. exactly. And it's easy to sit in the deconstruction and go, I don't believe any of this anymore. And I'm, you know, because it's, that's, that's how, what we're doing is we're processing the pain. Yeah. We're trying to process the pain, but by sitting in it, sitting in the rubble of what you thought was true and feeling the feelings about it, then something will emerge from that and you'll have this direction forward. Yes. Um, I, I think it goes back to this, like I said, spiritual DNA or gnosis or Sophia mm -hmm. or, you know, wisdom, whatever term you want to use. It's, it's in us. Yes. We just gotta, we just got to access it. And we have the ability to do that. And what I love is whenever I was uh, in the heat of deconstruction about four years ago, a lot of people were nervous about me being on a slippery slope, you know, and uh, which, by the way, slippery slopes are very fun. Uh, you know, <laughs> yes. people pay a lot of money to go down slippery slopes up in Big right. Bear, you know. Um, yes. But what I would tell people time and time again is this. If I really believe in the Holy Spirit, if I'm if I'm a true charismatic, if I'm really char charisma is just to be, you know, engulfed in and completely mm -hmm. caught up into spirit. If I'm yeah. really in that charismatic vein, then I'm going to believe Jesus' words. It says the spirit of truth will lead you into all truth. That's right. The Bible will not lead you into all truth. 
he, not, he doesn't even say, I will lead you into all no, truth. Is, right. The spirit, the spirit of truth will lead you into all truth. And where does the spirit live? Within. Within, right. And so if you're going within, you have navigation now to yes. understand that. And so what people would really be saying is, is, I'm nervous about you because you are talking differently, thinking differently, acting differently than you used to and than I yes. do. Right. And it's like, what they really are saying is you need to follow me to be led into all truth. And right. I'm saying, I'm trying to be actually the most Christian person I've ever been. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, yeah, so totally. I'm going to follow isn't it, that. Isn't it fascinating, Luke, how, and I think this goes to sort of institutionalism as its own sort of um, creeping um, issue in people, um, kind of ego's influence in a lot of ways, how we went from where, where being a Christian was subversive being a Christian was dangerous. Mm -hmm. And now we're like, well, that's unsafe. You might get, you might become lost. That's right. what I I'm sorry you lie. I hope you find what you're looking for or slippery slope or something like that. And it's like, no, man, spirit is out on the edge of things. It's not in the warm blanket. It's right. not. There's no, Jesus said the foxes have holes and the birds of air has a nest, but son of man have no place to lay his head. Son of man, by the way, not son of God. Right. And, um, in that, that's, that's to me saying kind of like Pema Chodron's, um, every, you know, everything uh, when things fall apart is that there is an inter eternal impermanence to the human experience. And that is its gift. Mm -hmm. That is its gift. And if you start to lock in on rig rigidity and forms and structures, and that's what you begin to worship the box, as I say, um, then of course you're going to want safety. Of right. course I want you to make me, I want you to tell me I'm okay the way I am, but not okay with who I really am. Mm, yeah. You know, that's a, that's another common thing. I find it fascinating that shift. It's, it's similar to the shift you've seen again in, in American Christianity away from sort of service in the streets to, like I said, like power and in, 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 in trying to participate and own and run power structures in the world, which mm. is so anti, if you talk about the antichrist, there's not much more antichrist than trying to take over the government. Right. You know? Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. And it's true. You know, people even think about that and just obviously hearing antichrist. I'm many people who have grown up in Christian traditions are like, they always think of the antichrist, yeah, but no, it's no. truly whatever is anti yeah. this spirit, right. this nature, right. understanding of awareness, reality. Yes. And uh, there are many uh, antichrist, like even in revelation, I think what, what uh, uh, John was talking about when he was in the Island of Patmos, you know, uh -huh going low-key crazy on an island, you know, uh, as a convict, um, I think that, you know, he was talking specifically about Nero and the Roman Empire and all of that that was yeah. happening. But what's amazing is that it duels not only in that time, but for all time, like what truth does, yeah. is it, it, it means something in the moment yet transcends all of that. And I think even what you're saying is so good for us to note is that all is anti Christ and and we have I think just to pull it back around to this of following the Christ way is we all have a bit of that antichrist within our hearts that's right that yeah. has to be reconciled and dealt with and consistently right. come around right uh, it's that's the Tao of of the being of who we are that's exactly right and, and it's, yeah it's by design mm -hmm. it's right. by design and um and I think that um. The best thing that you, anyone can do that's listening to this that is, is, is 
listen to the voice of your own soul and get really curious about things that you say you believe that underneath it you don't. Yeah. Like start to pull that thread. Yes. Start to pull that thread. And it's usually going to be something related to some societal issue or familial structure or behavior. And you pull Mm -hmm. that thread and then watch what happens. Yeah. Um, And then when you, when you do start to pull that thread, just make sure you have people around you that really do love you. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Because one of the things I've noticed is that when you start pulling on the thread and you realize the church structure, you're part of, you don't believe in that anymore. You get ostracized very quickly and it's quite isolating. Yep. Um, So find a little community, find a, almost like a a deconstruction support group. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. To to go through it together with someone. Mm -hmm. Uh, And, and I, and, and it's, but it's worth it. It is worth it. It's worth it to do that work because when the seed cracks open, uh, everything that you want, um, everything that you really want, everything your soul wants is on the other side of that kind of suffering. Yeah. And, um, and I think that's the, that's the, that's the promise in all of this. That is the good news. The, yeah. And having the, the courage to pursue it's that. Of you. you don't have to pay for it. Yes. So let's go ahead and access it. It's going to blow the hell out of your life for a while. Yep. But on the other side of it is like Jesus talked about, like you're going to have, many sons and daughters, you know, as you know, yeah. that kind of familial structure, everything will change and you'll see the world differently. And to me, that's how powerful is that? That's amazing. And there's a major reward for that. I think people forget that he says, you know, no one has left father and mother and yeah, home right. and country for my name's sake that will not be rewarded yeah. in this life and the life to come. Yes, exactly. And I, I think that even pursuing this, it's a major reward. Having this conversation with you is a major reward that I would have never had if I would not have been like, yeah, I don't think hell is what I was, you know, raised for it to be, you know what I mean? And that's the origin of now having conversation with you about this and that's reward. Um, And so I think if people can follow that and trust that and trust Mm -hmm. that there really is um, that the divine wants nothing more than, than you to be more alive, more awakened, more in tune with, with who I use the word he loosely, but who he is and in, in yeah. the purpose and place uh, for your life. Um, yes. So I know I want to wrap up. I want to respect your time. Um, and as we wrap up, you, you gave three really awesome points. Um, you want to give any other words of wisdom for those who might be deconstructing, reconstructing, you know, we've talked about community and those points, maybe just a reiteration of what that is and then how people can get in touch with you. Yeah. Thank you. Um, you know, I really don't, as I say that, I don't know that I have any other tips other than listen to the voice of your soul. Mm-hmm. Start there. I mean, if you can't do that, then the rest of it's sort of a moot point, you know? Right. Um, and, and understand that um, it will feel like death. In fact, you know, there's, lots of break, break, breakthrough evidence, you know, science and research in the last few years that grief, which is what ego death is part of, is treated like physical pain by the brain. Mm. It produces a similar like response as if you're getting your arm cut off. Yeah. So it's extremely painful. Um, but um, in that process of getting, of, of, of sitting in the grief and the pain and the sorrow and the loss and everything is again, where you find the indestructible, unbreakable parts of yourself. Mm. Um, 
As far as getting in touch with me, you know, I uh, post not every day, but most days, one to two musings on foster thinking on Instagram. Um, you can friend me on Facebook. You can, I don't, I'm not super active on Twitter anymore. It's become sort of like the, uh, like a way too much, like the same traits as a family reunion. <laughs> yeah, I get uh, it, man. And, uh, and then um, you can go to my personal website at fosterthinking.com and um, sign up for my email list and you get my every, every week in your inbox, you get my Monday essay um, the following Friday. Um, but I love conversations. And so if somebody hears this and wants to talk further, just reach out. I'm very, very accessible. Yeah, so. that's awesome. And I highly recommend everyone following if you're not already and uh, getting those emails and it's just so fun, man, to be Thank able to man. have you yeah. on and chat. And um, it's so good. The Insta yeah, friendship. Someday we'll meet in real life. <laughs> we will. We will. I mean, here's the thing, man. Every I'm in San Diego and like, it seems like everybody in Southern California is heading your way to Austin. Yes. Right. So I yes. feel like it's a matter of time before I at least have to go visit people there. Yes. You know? Yeah, uh, yeah. Now Elon Musk is coming. So yeah, yeah you got Joe Rogan. I mean, you got, yeah, Tim, which Tim I have had an interest yeah. in Austin for many years. And, and I'm going to just, as we just, <laughs> this, this could be like bonus content, you know? Uh, but I watched back in the day, the real world on MTV uh -huh. and they yeah. did the real world, Austin, real oh, really? world, Austin. And yeah. Ever since then, I was like super intrigued with Austin because there's a music, I'm a musician, you know, right. and I'm like, I don't like the vibe of Tennessee. Being in Indianapolis, we're only like three or four hours from Nashville, but I was like, man, Austin seems way more rad of a music city than Nashville. Yeah. Yes, it is. And <laughs> yeah, and, and it's proven to be true, but this is back in the early 2000s, mid 2000s. Right. And, and so I've always had an interest in that. And I'm like, dang, because I always thought if I moved to Texas, it would be Austin, but now it's like, too trendy and I don't want to be too mainstream now. You, you, know? in, you could go live in like New Braunfels or something where, you know, a bunch of musicians live because it's expensive to live in Austin. So they live in New Braunfels or San Marcos and places like that. And it is a mystical, mystical place. Um, and, you know, I miss live music um, tremendously. And, and, but art, art gets expressed here. Um, yeah. And it's, a lot of it's subversive and a lot of it is non-mainstream, whatever it may be. And that's the beauty of it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, that's South by Southwest is there, right? Yeah. Well, right. Yeah. you know, whenever that was it, it a thing. Back, yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So, um, yeah, man. So as, uh, as we part ways on uh, yeah. Zoom here, I'm sure at some point I'd love to come yep. and, and see you. So yep. and thank you so much. I'll, I'll head to San Diego when it's like in September when it's 98 degrees and 98% humidity. <laughs> Yeah, come here and relax and when yeah. the water's warm. And yeah. uh, or up to the mountains, yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah. yeah. All right, brother. Thank you for this. Appreciate you very much. Appreciate what you're doing. Likewise, man. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Spiritual Nomad Podcast. As always, we would love for you to subscribe, leave a review, and share this channel with a friend. If you would like to financially support the Spiritual Nomad Project, visit thespiritualnomad.org slash give. To contact Luke, you can email him directly, luke at thespiritualnomad.org, or send a direct message on Instagram. Until next time, grace, peace, and love.